sorry I don't love you A fresh I've grown accustomed to Cause with you if something isn't wrong Something isn't wrong Something isn't right Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back, as is Tim Matthews. We're talking all about Avengers Age of Ultron this week. We previously talked about the first Avengers movie, so this felt like a good chance to get to this one before Infinity War is out, which that will be out this week, actually, and I'm hoping to see it next week at the latest. So we'll see how that goes with MoviePass, but Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well, too. You mentioned before that you seem to like this movie more than most people. And when I was rewatching it, some of the things I still really didn't like, and we'll dive into those specifics here in a little bit, but what is it about this movie that made you like it more than most, I guess? I feel like, like especially in comparison to um, the first Avengers, like when I was rewatching it, there's definitely, an, I mean, they're in phase two at this point, but there's a definite increase in just the quality of how everything looks, uh, the cinematography and everything I think is, is much better. Um, I said in the previous episode with the Avengers that a decent amount of that movie as much fun as it is feels like a set. Um, even, uh, the way it's filmed felt very TV movie like for me, Okay, which is probably a very unique opinion, uh, out there. This one, uh, the definite, like the, the look of it and everything was, uh, was more impressive. And I also just, the way it jumps into everything, uh, and it is, you know, we have the luxury of, we already know who these characters are, so we can already get into the fun of them, you know, just fighting and saving the day. Um, but I also really just enjoyed for me, the amount of character work, uh, in this movie, uh, the slow parts don't, uh, don't really bother me. I mean, there's, de- there's, it's not perfect. Uh, there's definitely stuff that, uh, it definitely has its issues, but I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed kind of, even though we still get plenty of action, but we also got a decent amount of, uh, character work that I feel is a lot stronger in this one and more interesting than the first Avengers movie. Yeah. And that first movie had the sort of awkwardness of bringing all of these characters together. And I don't mean awkward in the sense that the way they did it was awkward but just the characters not knowing each other and meeting each other for the first time it's like that's going to be awkward no matter what and we see that a little bit in this because we do get some new characters in age of ultron but it's not the entire team so i think the first thing i want to really dive into here is the fact that the threat and villain in this movie is something that tony ended up creating and this is something that Bruce Banner knew about as well because you know like in the first Avengers movie we see a lot of those two having their geeking out moments and while those are still enjoyable in this movie they have a totally different impact absolutely yeah I mean it's it's definitely it's almost like a it's almost like a running joke at this point in the MCU that like everything's always Tony's fault I feel like in the uh some of the more recent ones they've definitely pulled away from that but at this point in the MCU, I feel like every time we had stuff with Tony, that something was his fault. But it it definitely uh, it definitely is. Um, there's an I don't know. There's just an interesting take with it in this one that it kind of stands out. It doesn't it doesn't feel as cheap to me. Yeah. So aside from Tony, sort of being the 
center of attention when it comes to taking the blame. I want to talk about the character development that you mentioned. And I feel like I do agree that there is a lot more of that here. And I think that's simply because for the most part, we get a lot more about Hawkeye specifically. And he's been one of those characters where it's like, why is this guy here? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it it's just a nice moment to sort of get to see his life because we don't really know much about it going into this movie even. And it's one of those things where, you know, a few people knew. So obviously Natasha knew and director Fury knew because he's the one who set it up for Hawkeye and everything. But he takes the team to a safe house and Nat's the only one who has any idea, one, where they're going probably, and two, that Hawkeye has a wife and about to have three kids. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It it's it seems like a lot to have happened o- over a period of time for for no one to uh, to figure it out. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's I feel like the the amount of Hawkeye we get in this one is definitely a uh, probably a behind the scenes reaction. Um, I'm sure they they enjoyed having like good story to tell, but I'm also uh, sure it was a behind the scenes reaction to the fact that. Uh, I believe he was pretty vocal about being disappointed that uh, his character kind of got shafted in the first one being hypnotized for 70% of the movie. So it was nice to, it was nice to get a lot, uh, a lot more from him. And they, they even, as you said, it's kind of like, well, why is he here? He's this human, you know, with a, yeah, he, he's a really good shot, but he's got a bow and arrow. And, but they, they, play around with that a lot um there's the obvious quote uh later when he's like this is this is all super weird and i have a bow and arrow but i even noticed on in rewatching a line i never caught when he's getting like healed up after the first scene right and black widow says um says something along the lines of uh you we need to fix him up so uh so we can pretend to uh to still need him on the team or something and i thought that was that was a really funny little side joke that i i never caught before yeah and we know that hawkeye and black widow know each other from their spy days basically so he does have that sort of background that is very similar to natasha's but i feel like he's not quite the same kind of agent that she is because obviously she was the double agent and everything like that but like you said he carries a bow and arrow and that's a very specific skill set and it seems like that's his main skill set as well whereas Black Widow seems to do a lot more dangerous stunts (laughs) as far as these films go but it was a nice moment even though Hawkeye is probably not going to be too many people's favorite Avenger when you have a team that consists of Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man on there as well, in addition to Black Widow and the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. I um the I think it was around this time that I don't know if you uh if you ever saw it, it was I think it was on the Tonight Show maybe. He appeared on it as Hawkeye. Uh and he covers he covers some song and and the parody is like I can be a superhero too. And, oh, I'm blanking on what song he covers, but it's absolutely hilarious. And it just makes fun of like him being almost a lame character amongst all the others. And it, it always cracked me up. Uh, I'll see if I can figure it out before the, uh, for the end of the episode, but 
even though that performance is outside of the movies and not canon, it made me like him even more. And I almost in my head, like pretend that that's, that's his own, like still like inner monologue that, uh, that he deals with that. He's just kind of like, I can be cool too, guys. I mean, I know I'm not Thor, but I'm cool. (laughs) Yeah. Plus we get this fact that he is always redoing something in the house and he, you know he tells oh, yeah. his wife Laura that he's going to finish up whatever current project he's working on and then later in the film we see him talking to Natasha about you know maybe I should rip out the dining room area and do this <laughs> whole thing and it's like he is someone who can't just sit still he always has to have something to do and you know he kind of retires at the end of this movie and then comes out of retirement a little bit in civil war And it's one of those things where we don't really know if we are going to see him much, if at all, in Infinity War. I don't think he's really been in any parts of the promotion for that. So it'll be interesting to see if he does, in fact, stay retired this time because it didn't seem to work so well last time. Yeah, I think he's cast in I think my friend told me this. He's cast to be in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now, that could be a glorified cameo, so he could very well still... Uh, be retired but it is nice to know that he is lined up to still like exist in the universe um but they have been pretty coy about him being in uh infinity war so we'll see uh we'll see if he does uh show up i also i did figure out it was the tonight show and he's covering ed sheeran's thinking out loud okay so if i do highly recommend checking that out after this it's very funny i recommend it to anybody listening (laughs) I'll link to it in the show notes and everything so it's easy for everyone to find. (laughs) One of the other character pairings, I guess you could say, that I want to talk about in this is Black Widow and the Hulk because, you know, Natasha and Bruce sort of have this fling going that we see her flirting with Bruce throughout the movie and everything like that, but it's a pairing that I've never really been super fond of and I think a lot of people felt that way because they were like oh of course you know you have to pair Black Widow with someone because she's the only woman on the team and you know I do get that she's the only one who can calm the Hulk down enough for him to turn back into Bruce but I don't necessarily think that needs to just lead to them being together because as we've seen you know she's best friends with Hawkeye pretty much and she's the one trying to take care of him before they get him to Dr. Cho to patch him up and everything like that. So you can have these friendships that are, you know, intense because they're they're on the Avengers together. Everything they do is kind of intense. There's no getting around that. And you can tell that, you know, Laura, Hawkeye's wife, is very aware that Natasha is just this big part of his life because they're on the Avengers together and she's kind of worried about the rest of them having his back but Natasha is the person who is always going to have his back so it's just one of those things where the relationship between her and Bruce felt a little more forced than they probably needed to make it yeah I mean that that's definitely um that's I think one of the biggest sticking points of plots in uh in the movie among uh most fans and even myself even as much as i enjoy this one their their banter is obviously really enjoyable solely just because of the two actors that you have you know pulling it off that it's just they're they're able to work work with what they're given and and make it entertaining uh like at the 
at the party. He walks up to the bar and they're kind of like playing this little game. Yeah. You know, and the way they're talking to each other is almost in that very like Humphrey Bogart uh, style and everything. And and it's, it's fun, but it is something that it's like you could have just had them being coy and fun and maybe alluding to some sexual tension without forcing it. Like I'm not totally against them having you know any feelings for each other because it's like if you think about how often they probably have to spend time together and in, in these very harrowing situations i mean maybe maybe something does come uh come out of that because they don't really have a life too much of a life outside of it but it it, it definitely felt it, yeah as you said it definitely felt forced it was it it was kind of like being shoved down our throats and uh i think it could have it could have at the very least been done more subtle uh, to be more interesting and more enjoyable. Um, but it is it. I would say that's the weakest, uh, uh, the weakest subplot in the movie for sure. Yeah. Plus, then you have them talking about running away, basically. And we know that Black Widow is not someone who's just going to run away in the middle of a mission. And we see that when she, you know, kisses Banner and then pushes him so that he turns into the Hulk. Yeah. Because she just pushes him into this like giant hole in the ground or whatever it was. But, you know, he's falling and he comes back up as the Hulk and they go and finish the job. But even afterwards, when the Hulk gets on the plane and is by himself and turns off the little video call of her. It's one of those moments where you know he's doing this for the good of everyone else. And at the same time, you still know that Black Widow isn't really going to go after him because they still have work that needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the when they're having the conversation about we could just run away and everything that was that was something that felt really out of character maybe not for the two of them because I do I do feel like especially in this movie Bruce really struggles with people still seeing him as a monster and not being able to control it uh as we see when he does get uh Scarlet Witched that uh that I think there's a line they said like the whole world saw the Hulk for who he really is um so I feel like it's not super out of character for him but I felt like for the two of them for sure. And that's why I, I, I really do enjoy that, uh, that one scene where she kind of like, where she, she calls back to the conversation just to trick him into being like, all right, you got to be the Hulk now. Cause I know you don't want to do it. So I'm just going to force you into it. And that, that it was a, a nice little fun moment on how she gets that done. Yeah. So I want to bring up the new characters now here because we have Wanda, Pietro, and Vision, technically, even though Mm -hmm. he's not really an actual person, but he is a (laughs) character, so to speak. And Wanda and Pietro are twins, and they give them a little bit of a different origin story in this, because in the comics, we all know they're tied to Magneto. He is their father. But because of all the, the issues with the rights to certain characters and everything... That's something that Marvel couldn't really use. So instead, in this, they're experiments. And that's how they got their powers. You know, Pietro's Quicksilver and Wanda is Scarlet Witch. So she can, you know, manipulate metal and move things with her mind and everything like that, I believe. And then Quicksilver just is kind of like Marvel's version of The Flash, but not as great as The Flash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, even even when you look at the two Quicksilvers of you know the one that actually got to be in the X Men movies and uh, and the one in this movie, uh, he's kind of like the lackluster version. I feel like even no matter how how much or what people think of the X-Men movies uh, themselves, uh, at least especially at the time in Days of Future Past, the way they did Quicksilver was like a really standout moment of that series and really cool how they did it. And the way they did Quicksilver in this one, he's fun, but the way they even style his speed is kind of, I don't know, it's a little lackluster uh, to me. And he gets tired so easily. Yeah, he he really does. That part seems so off. I was like, all you did was run in front of the train and you're already tired. I mean, what kind of super speed is that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I think it was clever how they how they handle the uh the rights that it's um what do they call them? Uh, I think Cap says uh enhanced. Yeah. In in the field and I, I uh I thought that uh that was clever and it wasn't enjoyable having them. And they're they're both uh great characters I think throughout the movie, but I I'm I'm not gonna miss him terribly either. I felt he su- su- he, you know, filled his purpose. <laughs> filled his purpose. I did think it was an interesting choice to kill him off so soon because clearly they're going to keep using Scarlet Witch. And there was recently mm-hmm. a news post where Elizabeth Olsen was talking about how she'd like to see Scarlet Witch get her own movie. And while I don't know if I'd want that to happen just yet. I think it might need to be more a Scarlet Witch in a vision thing, but it's just one of those things where they're twins, so they have this deep connection, and he dies saving Hawkeye and the kid that Hawkeye is covering. But, you know, Hawkeye is a character, we've already mentioned this, but he has had multiple opportunities to die, and they've kept him around. And if he really is retired, it's almost like, you know, what's the point? Because he doesn't play a super huge role in Civil War. He sort of shows up to get Scarlet Witch on board, and then he pulls his punches against Black Widow, and that's kind of the extent of it. So it's one of those choices where you're like, okay, do they have an actually decent reason for doing this? And by the end of the movie, the only thing we really got out of that was Hawkeye naming his kid, after both kind of Natasha and Pietro, because it's Nathaniel Pietro mm-hmm. Barden. And yeah. if it was a girl, it was going to be Natasha. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. she she even whispers to the wife's belly, traitor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I feel like I feel like there was probably um, there there was probably a couple things of, well, we have a Quicksilver. Fox has a Quicksilver. um you know, maybe we don't just compete having uh, having our own when we can't even, you know, make him like the real Quicksilver. Um, I also feel like it might have been a bit of uh, Marvel being a lo- still a little gun shy about killing off, you know, the main characters that we that we really started with, you know, when we first had the Avengers come together. Um, and they definitely they definitely play with I remember even leading up to the movie and then as you're watching the movie, they drop so many heavy hints that make you feel like Hawkeye's going to die. Um, and so I feel like it, it was this heavy red herring that they, that they threw in there so that when you think, all right, this is the moment he's going to die. The, the gunfire is coming down. 
it was kind of nice with the back and forth that he and Quicksilver did have uh, throughout the movie that Quicksilver is the one that does save him. Like, I do right. think it is a really nice moment, but it, it was definitely it definitely feels very conscious of, all right, we're going to make you think Hawkeye's going to die, but then we're not going to kill him because we don't want to kill our characters just yet. Um, <laughs> but this guy that you just met that you don't really have a huge connection to. We can make you feel a little sad, but you won't be mad at us about it either. Plus, they made Hawkeye think that he was going to die, too, because he was fully prepared to do so for this kid because he was stuck and he was like the last one on the floating city. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we also get this moment that's happening about the same at about the same time where Scarlet Witch just pulls out like the metal heart of Ultron basically and Vision has to go save her because she is stuck on the subway or train whichever it was I wasn't paying too close attention they're basically the same thing anyway so you know whatever at that point but Vision pulls her out and that is how she gets to safety so it's like we almost lost both of them after having them be introduced in this movie but that kind of segues into talking about vision because vision is a character who is created and you could even argue that you know this is tony's fault too because he is the one who decides to take this body from ultron that he was planning to use or it was planning to use whatever you prefer and puts jarvis in it but when vision is completed and up and moving around he isn't quite just jarvis in a body-like form yeah absolutely it's it's um it kind of um it's kind of like in in the same in the same way that ultron has ultron's created by tony and he the the way the way he speaks and everything has has very tony features to him but it extends beyond that uh, because it takes like the darkest side of it. And it's like, he has some of the personality, but then he, he does evolve into this own character of his, even with some of the personality traits of Tony. And I feel like with uh vision, you know, jar the, the way we've known Jarvis is even though he's this AI, he's, he's the one that, doesn't pull any punches with uh with tony either and any anytime tony has a quick wit comment jarvis usually has something right back and um and so there is a bit of tony and jarvis as well but then i feel like in the same way that that when ultron's created there's a bit of that personality and a bit of that creation in there but when he does become vision and he has this you know the the probably a mixture of maybe the the infinity stone as well right creates his own uh self in there yeah so he has the mind stone and thor is actually someone who already knew about the infinity stones and has a good idea of what they're capable of because he's like okay you know that's four to appear in the last few years out of the six so this really does lead up to infinity war a lot more than i remember it and it's one of those things where when you go back and you watch these movies you can see just how much marvel planned out so i think you know we should probably just go ahead and do some general discussion of this movie now because there's a lot that goes on that is really important to sokovia but 
a lot that also ties into what's coming. And while the whole thing with Sokovia did lead to the Sokovia Accords in Civil War, it's just one of those things where this is another movie that has a lot happening in it because, you know, Vision isn't even created until, what, the second half of the movie at least? So we have all of this happening before you have this really important thing that happens. And then we see how he can use the Mind Stone and sort of this connection he has with Ultron that no one else could possibly have because they aren't this sort of AI (laughs) that Vision and Ultron are. So in a way, it makes sense that Vision is the one who has to finish him off at the end there. Yeah, and that that's a, that's such a I think that's such a great scene. I love the dialogue uh between the two that it's like Ultron has no strength left in that in that last uh robot, I guess. Um the the just the little banter between him and Vision and the fact that like Vision sympathizes and like agrees with some of what Ultron is saying but says, you know, that it's like it's okay that these humans are flawed. You know, it's okay yeah. that that it's not you know finite uh, uh, perfection or anything. Um, that so that's that's a really uh, great scene. And and as you as you said, there's a a lot that happens in this movie. And one thing I remember when I did first see the movie, you know, after walking out of the theater and having the initial just oh man, that was so cool. When it started to sit and I started thinking about everything. I was like, oh, man, there was a lot in that movie. And was it kind of, you know, did it have a bit of like Iron Man 2 syndrome of setting too much stuff up? And one of the things I noticed in in watching it now uh, is that a lot of that stuff doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, Like the Thor stuff, I remember when he goes off and he gets in like the pool and everything. I remember hating that, you know, early on when I back when when I first watched it and being like, this is taking, you know, the, the pacing's off in this. It's taking me out of t- kind of the action. But knowing how close we are to Infinity War and watching how, like, all of that information comes in, I was like, all right, this scene's actually really cool. Now that now that we were so close to Infinity War and see what's coming, I actually really enjoyed that scene. And I was like, that. I thought it was really interesting that I, that I flipped on that because it used to bother me so much and that now I'm like all right never mind Th- this is actually really cool yeah that's a scene that I didn't really care for one way or the other I was like okay this is there it's happening this is sort of how you yeah. bring Thor's world into the Avengers movie because we see him with you know Eric Selvig I believe who is a big part of the standalone Thor films up until that point and you know he is just on this little side mission by himself. And we see a glimpse of sort of what's to come because Cap mentions that he doesn't know where Thor went. And we see that come into play in Civil War too. It's like, okay, well, does anyone know where Thor or Hulk is? And they're like, "Mm, no, not really. So, you know, that's kind of a problem when they can't even keep track of their own team members. And, in this instance, it it wasn't a problem. It was just an interesting tidbit to put in there to have, you know, Tony ask Cap, I believe is how it went, you know, do you know where Thor went kind of thing. And I think, you know, this this movie, even though 
it isn't my favorite. Like I said, on second viewing, it's like I picked up on a lot more things in it. And I think the first time around, I might have just been very soured on the Natasha and Bruce situation that I was like, <laughs> uh, this, this is where they're going with it. So it it definitely grew on me a little bit, but I still liked some of the other movies better probably a good amount of them actually i don't know there's been so many it's been like what 18 movies now or something ridiculous yeah i mean uh, uh, to be honest like none of the avengers films uh and i i even count uh i mean i guess that's two movies so avengers and age of ultron but i even count uh civil war as uh kind of a pseudo avengers movie and none of those three are are my favorite of, among the movies. Civil War to me is is super entertaining with the the action and everything, but I have huge huge problems with the with the third act plot. But the the for me the best Marvel movies are the ones that are very standalone that I feel like that I can just throw the throw it on and not have to worry about uh, the other movies. It's like the Guardians of the Galaxy ones right. kind of living in their own thing uh, are really fun. Um, and enjoyable uh thor ragnarok i felt did a really nice job of expanding that world but not making me feel like i needed to know a ton of stuff i didn't feel like it was pushing me towards another story you know it wasn't pushing me towards the event which is uh, something that gets to me even in reading comics is the oh we're just building to the event but make sure you give me good standalone stories too so the standalone ones are the ones that well, stand out <laughs> to me. Yeah. So one thing we haven't quite touched on yet is the whole purpose behind Ultron. So Tony created Ultron to be this sort of peacekeeping system, so to speak. It was supposed to be like their kind of peacekeeping protocol, and it would help solve a lot of problems. He made a comment about Ultron sort of being like the bouncer at a club. So, you know, if you have these alien entities attacking they wouldn't be able to even get past Ultron and make it to Earth like they did in the first Avengers. And they were just coming out of this giant portal. And clearly, you know, that goes the wrong way because then Ultron comes out of this and just wants to destroy everyone because he thinks that humans are stupid and, you know, kind of don't serve any sort of real purpose because they aren't smart enough to do anything the way Ultron would. Right. And that leads to Ultron going to Sokovia and just annihilating the city. He literally finds a way to get all of this vibranium type stuff underneath the city and just blasts it up into the air. And it just keeps rising and rising until, you know, it's supposed to fall and then kill millions upon millions of people. So he is certainly destructive. And I think getting James Spader to voice him was a nice touch. But oh yeah, at times it didn't really click quite as much as I would have liked it to. But maybe that's just because I keep watching The Blacklist and James Spader's and that. So <laughs> I'm very used to hearing his voice at this point. And sometimes in Age of Ultron, it's like, oh, he could have said it a little differently, though. Yeah, for me, he's... Uh... He's uh, Robert California on The Office. Okay, but it's it's the it's that same uh, it's that same idea, and I, I even remember I remember the trailers just having this really really spooky tone, you know, really driving the no strings on me song and everything, and it was really haunting and really creepy. 
Um, and I remember, I remember being let down by this movie at the fact that I, I felt, I felt Marvel pulled back on, uh, on that aspect. And the, the, the times that I felt Ultron really, really, really works is when he's at his most sinister. Um, when he first shows up at the party, they really play with some like horror film aspects uh, with with some of the Ultron stuff as he's like building up to to fighting them. But when they do start outright fighting him, he does t- he he gets a little I don't know a little too jovial for me. Uh, uh, at times. Um, and I get, I've heard people's arguments that, you know, well, it's the, uh, it's the fact that he is tied to Tony Stark, that that's, you know, uh, where that comes from. And, and it, do, it definitely makes sense. But, uh, but I, I had the same issue that I'm like, some of it was so great, but then, yeah, he would say like a certain line and I'm like, ah, oh, that line could have been really badass, but it just really fell flat because of how you delivered it. He is a really cool character, but I felt like they didn't take him necessarily as far as maybe maybe they could have. Yeah, but it was still pretty effective, in my opinion. And while yeah. Ultron isn't a favorite villain by any means for me either, it was one of those things where technology got out of hand, and that is sort of the terrifying aspect of Ultron. It's not even that in his robot form he can do a lot of damage. It's more just the intelligence behind Ultron that is sort of like oh man I feel like this could actually be happening to us at some point in the near future yeah I mean even even some like little sidelines when you're starting to learn how quickly Ultron's working and how far ahead he is where I think in one of his like earlier forms right before Tony kills him he says something to him uh he says something to him like I'm not even here anymore don't worry, you'll catch up or you'll catch on. And it was it was just this little threat of just like, you have no idea how how far ahead I'm already thinking that it's like myself is not even in this form of me. And you're gonna you're gonna blow up this this body, but my consciousness has already moved on and is on to the next probably like five, six plans uh to to take you guys down. And so it it is really, really spooky the way they do it and in such a technological world you know we even we even hear every once in a while where it's like some company uh some company is playing with you know ai technology and we sit there and we're just like how many movies do we have to make before we learn this is a bad idea (laughs) yeah exactly well before we touch on the credit scenes is there anything we've missed that you wanted to talk about specifically well i guess uh i guess not Except, you know, to give a uh, shout out to the 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 dinner party scene uh, overall, I, I think that was just a, uh, a ton of fun and includes one of my favorite uh, Stan Lee cameos when he gets drunk on uh, on Thor's alcohol. Yeah, definitely. And you have War Machine trying to tell stories. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like they're, yeah. they're not really funny to anyone, but the people who aren't superheroes. Yeah. When Thor's just like. Oh, is that, is that, is that it? Ah, great story. And it's, he gets a a bit of payoff uh, later when he's helping out at Sokovia and everything. And he's like, this is going to make a great story. (laughs) He's all excited that he's, that, uh, that he'll finally have something to, uh, to maybe stand up to the stories that the other Avengers, uh, the other Avengers tell. 
Um, but yeah, that it it was just really fun getting to uh, all those characters, and of course the um, them all trying to pick up uh, Thor's hammer um, is is one of my favorites in the in the MCU series. Yeah, that is definitely like a highlight scene from this movie as far as the comedy aspect goes. And you know, a quick shout out to Fury for bringing the giant helicarrier to oh, yeah. rescue all the people, and yeah. then you know, War Machine gets to have his little fun there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I, I felt like I mean. There's definitely this is all throughout the the MCU uh, that uh, especially as time has gone on that there's misplaced uh, humor uh, perhaps for certain characters. But I felt like overall uh, there's a decent balance uh, in this movie. And it, it I thought I remembered the 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 humor bothering me more than it did. But it, I felt like there was a, a solid balance of the humor and the dark storytelling uh, in uh, in this movie. So while while it's it is not one of it's not in my top of MCU movies, I'll probably get a lot of flack for this. But I put this above the first Avengers uh, for me. Yeah, one of the other things I want to mention before before we talk about the credit scenes here is the fact that they have a new set of Avengers now because at the end I mentioned earlier you know (laughs) Natasha doesn't go after the Hulk and you know she walks into the I guess landing area or the airplane storage at the new facility I don't even know what it is like the giant hangar I guess you could say and you have Scarlet Witch Vision and Falcon showing up and, you know, Cap goes to say Avengers Assemble, but it stops after the Avengers, and that's when the credits start rolling. That was a nice little touch there. And, you know, we didn't really get to see Falcon all that much in this movie, so it's nice that they sort of just brought him into the fold at the end because we do see him a lot more in Civil War. Yeah, he, we get we get that little bit with him where he kind of, he kind of makes a joke uh, to Cap uh, at the party that he's yeah. he's like, oh, man, it's... Sound, uh, sounds like a heck of a fight. And he's like, if I knew it was going to be such a firefight, I would have had you there. And he's like, no, 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 no. Avengers is your thing. I'm fine. You know, he's trying to play it cool. But I, I think I think you can definitely tell when he shows up at, at the end there that I think he he's pretty stoked to finally have gotten invited, even if he was even if he was trying to just play it cool. He doesn't want to come out and be like, hey, can you know, we're good friends. Can I be on the Avengers? You know, he's trying he's trying to uh play it off but um but I was excited I was excited to see uh him at the end it was cool to do uh and yeah I love that uh the uh Avengers and then it just cuts uh cuts to the credits ever I remember in the theater everyone just being like ah so close but it was great yeah so for the mid credit scene that's when we get to see Thanos grab the infinity gauntlet basically which is the giant hand that you put all of the infinity stones in and that's where he is able to wield the power for that and everything and it was a quick scene and then the next scene at the very end of the credits wasn't really a scene all it did was it said the avengers will return and i thought that was kind of a smart move because they already gave you this sort of big tidbit with the mid-credits scene absolutely i thought it was good uh just laying the focus on uh, Thanos, especially since the the next official Avengers movie was going to be Infinity War. Uh, I think it was smart to to um, to just let it sit on that and not because uh, J- 
generally the the very very end credits one would be something super goofy um and I, I thought it was good to just kind of hold the tone on just the excitement of Thanos I enjoyed seeing the um I had forgotten that it just says the Avengers will return um uh but seeing that that excites me because I I grew up a very very big um James Bond fan and especially the um in the earlier ones, when they would know what the next book they were already going to be covering, it would say James Bond will return in Goldfinger. James Bond will return in such and such. But now they obviously don't know the titles, but they still include that James Bond will return. And I've always thought that was just a really cool, nice touch. Um, so I enjoyed seeing that Marvel kind of uh, pull. Uh, I, th- I think it's probably not uh, too far to assume that they pulled from that and so that that was just a little bit of extra enjoyment for me I was like ah that's a nice touch yeah well I'd say we would do Infinity War speculation but you and I actually already did that in the first Avengers episode so no need to repeat ourselves here how are the ducks gonna win (laughs) (laughs) I mean anything is possible yeah (laughs) probably not that but (laughs) who knows how are the duck and Jeff Goldblum that's 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 what I'm a plus storyline there. <laughs> yeah, I just want a grandmaster and uh, who's the the uh, the collector? I want like a road trip movie of the two of them. I, I think that I think that would be hilarious. And then may, <laughs> and then maybe Howard the Duck jumps on for like I don't know, like half hour. Call me Marvel. I got ideas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on again to talk about Avengers Age of Ultron. Hopefully Anytime. you and I will get to see Infinity War shortly after this goes up, maybe within the week, next week or two. Who knows? But after this... Oh gosh, that's right. It's so close. Yeah. After this, I'll have a Civil War episode for you guys. It's a kind of lengthy one. I think Mike Kamate and I went about an hour and 25 minutes or so give or take i haven't edited yet though so that's not you know (laughs) official runtime that's my guesstimate like what marvel gives us when they first announce a movie (laughs) yeah i'm i'm excited to to hear uh hear your discussion uh on that one yeah it was definitely a fun conversation because mike really enjoys that movie and it's not that i don't enjoy it because i do like that one too but it was like one of his favorites so it's always fun to get to talk to a bunch of different people about these marvel movies because certain things make people react in a different way and you know obviously we talked about the first two avenger movies but they were quite different conversations at the same time so you know it it works out so again thank you for coming on tim of course anytime Awesome. And to our listeners, as always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.